You can be seated, and uh, the kids are staying in here with us today, the school-age kids. So uh, kids, if you're in here, I want you to listen to me real quickly. When you came in, you received a little packet, I hope. Uh, you got one of those, and there's some coloring sheets in there for you, and you can actually color or draw on the, env- on the envelope itself um, the story we're talking about today that Mr. Chaz just read about. And the story's pretty basic, that there was a man named Simeon, and he was waiting in the temple, which is kind of like... Um, maybe a modern-day church, and he was waiting on Jesus, and he um, blessed Jesus, um, as was uh, their custom. So if you, whatever that makes you think of, kiddos, uh, you can kind of draw that, and I would love to see uh, your picture um, after the service. Um, For the rest of us, uh, we are in Luke 2. We can turn there in uh, in your scripture, and we're going to continue in this uh, Advent series Ordinary people, extraordinary faith. Let me say a prayer for us as we kind of position our hearts to hear from him. Father, thank you for uh, your word. And thank you uh, this season as our focus is on an all-time high, remembering, God, that you didn't leave us here as orphans, but you came to adopt us as sons and daughters into your family. We have so much to be thankful for. That we're now your friends, a part of your family, that we're an heir to everything that uh, you have for us. And we are overwhelmed by that. I pray as we look at your word, uh, even today, that, um, Father, you'd speak to us. There's many in here that are weary, and they've just had an increasingly hard week. And, Father, I pray that you'd speak to them and encourage them. Many that are sick are hurting. And, Father, we pray for healing, if that be your will, but also Father, endurance through the pain of this world. Many might even in this room not even be part of your family. I pray, Father, for them that, Holy Spirit, you would reveal truth to them and that they would take a step of faith today. Now, Father, may the seed of your word fall on good ground. May it bring forth change in us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As I said, we started last week a series called uh, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Faith, and we're going to continue in that today, and this is uh, also kind of coincides with this, our big Christmas conspiracy initiatives and offering, and what we try to do is force ourselves outward um, during Christmas time. For 2,000 years after Christ, this was a time that the church would many times would fast, they would do... um, physical things to help them, to help remind them of these spiritual realities of what is going on. And so we're trying to do that again. If you've not noticed, most of us are in danger of being swept up into this season, either with nostalgia, um, that we just, we, we just remember all the warm um, fuzzies. Uh, we're the family that has multiple Christmas trees. We have them in every room in our house. Um, literally almost every room. We added a couple yesterday to make sure the kids had them. Uh, they wanted them with the colored lights. So we, we, we got, we'll, and it's, if you're not careful, you'll be swept up in the nostalgia of the season. You'll forget about what maybe is really the point of this thing. I was thinking about it, even when we were singing Heart to Herald, angels, like, I don't know any of those words. Like, I know, like, I'm just humming through them. I don't know words to any songs, especially Christmas songs. And as we're singing that, I'm thinking, man, I love this song. And then the words are up there, and I'm like, man, that's, that's really, really, I don't remember any words to any song. 
Um, I'll be humming in the, in the kitchen in the morning, and Ashley, what are you singing? And I'll start singing it. Oh, I'm singing this. She's like, that's not even a song. I don't even know what you're doing. Uh, she doesn't forget any word to any song. She remembers them all. Ask her any uh, 90s rap song. She will, she will throw it down for you. Um, seriously, do that. Yeah, it would be awesome if you would do that. So we, uh, we're in danger of the nostalgia part, or we're also in danger in our culture of the materialism thing. That we just get so caught up in celebrating Christmas that we forget that this is really about the hope of the world that's in Jesus. And I know even for my own kids, like I want them to love this season. I want them to celebrate. I want to throw the best parties that we can do. But the point is Jesus. And I want them to see that that is the point and that they wouldn't get lost up and deceived as a culture that the the message of Christmas is following Jesus faithfully. How much time have we worked on gifts and parties and decorating compared to how much time we've spent asking God for the salvation of our neighbors? Already, how much time have we spent hanging lights and putting up trees instead of worshiping God in front of our kids? And I'm saying this to warn all of us that if we aren't careful, we'll let the cultural celebrations of Christmas rob us of the power and hope that the original Christmas story brings. And don't shrug this off. This is a real war and there's real opposition even now. When we look back, today's, uh, today's message is faith in God's promises. These are ordinary people with extraordinary faith. And we look back and the, the thing I want to focus on this morning is faith in God's promises. I used to find it hard to get the significance of the Christmas story because I always focus on the individual participants, the shepherd, the wise men, Simeon, Anna, Mary, the others. But I came to understand that really there's nothing significant about any of these common, ordinary people. That's what we talked about last week. Their significance is their proximity to Jesus. Their proximity and availability to Jesus is why we're talking about them today. And the truth of that message is no different today. There's nothing significant about you or me necessarily and our own strengths and talents. We're not important in any way except as we align ourselves with Jesus, the Lord of our life, and the building of his kingdom. And that's where our joy and fulfillment is found in life. And this is what we see in Simeon. Verse 25, to focus back on that text of Luke chapter 2, there's this man in Jerusalem whose name is Simeon. We see that he's righteous and devout, and he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. We're introduced to him. We know he's a simple man. There's not really not much we know about him other than what this passage tells us. His name means to be heard. We see that he is righteous and devout, living his life to please God. Simeon took hold of a promise we see in this text, a promise from God, and he said, I am not letting go of this, God, until you give me what you've promised. And God loves a faith like that. He is hopeful, he is waiting, he is anticipating, he's up on his tippy toes looking into what God had promised him, and he's waiting to see it. And he does get to do it. We see he's righteous and devout. Righteous is this not theoretical thing, it means practical righteousness. Simeon's life is modeled, modeled what he professes. His walk matched his talk. His action pleased God. He was a righteous man. 
And then we also see that he's a devout man. Devout deals with his attitude or posture towards God. It means the attitude of the heart that gives God his rightful place. Simeon's a worshiper of God. He always thought about the Lord and what would please God, and he lived with an attitude of reverence. But this kind of sets up where we're going today, this next phrase that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. In Simeon's day, people who believed the word of God were waiting for the Messiah. This Messiah would bring comfort and deliverance to Israel. Simeon was one of those people who believed what God said and was still waiting. Now, don't, don't think that the promise came just a couple weeks before. No, thousands of years he's been waiting. Last week... Um, my kids came home so excited to tell me uh, of what they learned um, in, in the kids' area last week about the end. I think Brad Crenshaw and some of those guys were, were, were teaching of Jesus coming back on the white horse with a tattoo on his leg, no less, they, they told me. Um, we'll have that conversation later. But um, they were so excited about this second. I love what our kids are learning back there. They're some of the greatest teachers they were so excited to share with me the entire thing, and they've rehearsed it four or five times in every one of our Advent um, devotionals. But Simeon was one of those people who was hanging on to this promise of God that the Messiah would come. And can you imagine what he's waiting in? The intertestamental period after the last prophet spoke, spoke at the end of the Old Testament, several hundred years until we see this happening again. Angels are appearing to um, to Zechariah and to Elizabeth and to Mary. And there's this uh, John the Baptist is on the scene and he's here to prepare the way for Christ. And finally God is speaking again. But there were hundreds of years of darkness with no wind of man the Messiah's close. They were an oppressed nation under the rule and reign of Rome. And for someone to hold on that long in the midst of darkness is something that is just infectious to me that that he was on his tiptoes waiting for the consolation of Israel that the Messiah would come and bring deliverance to Israel Simeon's holding on to that promise he had such anchored faith in the promises of God Simeon's waiting and hoping and praying Simeon knows that the only hope for himself and for Israel is for Jesus to radically change things He's been waiting for most of his adult life. And this is so fascinating to me. His perseverance is something we don't see much of today. Waiting and watching and hoping. In the first Advent devotional that we walked through as a family, we, maybe you walked through the same thing that the church had provided. The, you know, when's the last time you waited on something for a long time? And our kids are all, you know, talking about when they're waiting on candy at Halloween or whatever they're waiting on and, You ever prayed something? Maybe it's to ask God to save a family member. Maybe it's for healing in a certain situation. And you prayed and you prayed and you waited and God didn't come through immediately. And you live in that space in between. Even the past couple weeks, as we talked about last week, we stopped and prayed for the Grantham family and that little girl, Katie. A lot of people praying and waiting for God to do something. God has done something. We just don't see the culmination of all the promises of God in this life. 
So here's Simeon in the darkness of time waiting for God. You see this optimism in Simeon that he's, he really believes that God can and will step in and change things. Do you believe that? That God can and will step in and change things. I find a lot of people in the church just kind of are just okay with the way things are. You'll talk to them, they're in your huddle, they're in your community group, maybe they're just a friend, and, and they'll, they'll say this, well, that's just the way that I am. My mama was that way, and her mama was that way, and that's just the way that I am. I'm okay with things just being this. We've just, we've just settled for this is how things are going to be, and we've lost hope that God can really step in and literally change things. Think about this on the level of your character. Do you really want to be free from some of the unhealthy patterns in your life? Your anger, or jealousy, or greed. Do you really want to be freed for those? Are you depending on God and asking God to move in such a powerful way that he radically even changes you of this? Or are you just settled saying this is just how things are going to be? And I think the message of the Christmas story, certainly in the message of the entire Bible, is God is at work in us. That Jesus came to bring the kingdom partially, not yet fully, but he's at work in us even now. The Holy Spirit conforming us into the image of Jesus. Committed to completing the work that he has started in us and he wants to change you. That God can certainly set you free from jealousy and greed and anger and pride and awaken you to his genuine love and peace and joy. Self-control. Have you resigned just to say, you know, it's just the way things are. Are you waiting, hoping, depending on God? Where do you need to experience this restoration or salvation? Some of us in this room need to experience it on the deepest level. Salvation of our souls. That you're on the outside looking in. You've never given your life to Christ by faith and received salvation by grace. But through Christ's death on the cross, you can have salvation today. You don't have to go through another season just wishing things were a different way. This is the very thing Simeon was eagerly waiting for and you can have now. Others need to see restoration or salvation in our character. Others even in our marriage. Maybe your marriage is what needs restoration. Have you resigned in your heart that marriage will just this marriage will just always be the way it is? Or are you trusting God even this morning to transform you and your marriage into this beautiful picture of the gospel? He really can do it. Don't give up hope. What about our church? Have we just kind of resigned that this is the way things are going to be, slowly growing by addition? Or are we depending on God to do something remarkable? Does God want to do more? I believe he does. God has moved and is moving. I believe that, but I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. I pray that we'll have a church that wants to reach the last, the lost, and the least. That every member would be a missionary. That every disciple of Jesus would be a disciple maker. Our dream for covenant has never been that we would grow very large as a body that gathers on Sunday, that we would, put, that we would plant hundreds if not thousands of churches i would love to see this happening all over the world all over bozier city and shreveport and our state and our nation have we resigned to say well this is just the way things are going to be in our culture or are we depending on god to do something great 
like Simeon, hopeful, with eager anticipation, on his tiptoes, waiting for God to move. Look back in the scripture with me in verse 25, the end of 25. There's a man named Simeon, righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And it says, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. I think that's key. We'll kind of put that to the side, that you will not know who Jesus is or what he's doing apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, prompting you, turning the spotlights on Jesus and saying, look at what he wants to do. So this is Simeon, full of the Holy Spirit. And it had been revealed to him, to Simeon, that the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, I don't know who he told this to, but that would have been just the craziest, most bold statement that anyone had ever made in his time. People had not seen Christ or heard from God through the prophets again in hundreds of years. And now Simeon says, hey, listen, the Lord's told me something that I'm going to see the Messiah before I die. And he did not give way. He held on to that promise. It says in verse 27, and he came into the, in the spirit into the temple And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. I love that last phrase in verse 29, according to your word. This is the way the prophets spoke in the Old Testament. They would say, this is the word of the Lord. Or, this is what God says to you. They would use these definitive statements of God speaking to us. Such one of those statements that Simeon has wrapped his face around. Lord, you're letting your servant depart according to your word. The Spirit led him into the temple that day and revealed to him who God's promised one was. I think this has such huge emphasis for us that we need to get a hold of. Remember just a few verses before, it's the Holy Spirit had revealed this to him. And let me remind you, church, something that is true, that God always does exactly what he said he would do. Do you know that? That God's word is always true. Every promise that God has ever made or makes has come true or is coming true. Everyone. There's no sure bet in the world. If God says it, he's going to do it. Now, it's not always on our timing. And if you look at Hebrews 11, the end of that verse, you see some people didn't see the promise revealed in their lifetime, but it certainly will happen. By nature, God is a promiser. He's made a ton of them to his children. When he promised Adam and Eve something, that the promised seed would come, that he promised Abraham something, a covenant with him and Noah and Moses and David and on and on you could go. We serve a God who is a promiser. He's made so many of them to his children. And here's what a promise is for us. And I don't know if you take notes, you might write this down. This has been good for my heart. A promise is the assurance that God gives to his people so we can walk by faith while we wait for him to work. A promise is the assurance that God gives to his people so we can walk by faith while we wait for him to work. 
You don't realize how much you need God's promises until your smooth and easy life suddenly turns sideways. Isn't that the truth? And it's during those dark times where you don't understand what's going on and there's a whirlwind around you. Maybe you lost a job. You got a call from a doctor. You, one of your kids isn't walking with the Lord. Something has turned sideways. And this is the time not for us to run away from the faith, but for us to dig deep into God's word and get something to wrap our faith around. Just this week, one night, I guess it was Friday night, I just wasn't having a good night and several people in our church are walking through some really heavy things and I'm praying for them and I wake up and I don't know if you've ever done this, I wake up in the middle of the night and there's just like this despair that seems to be grabbing at my heart and I just wake up just anxious and overwhelmed and I begin to pray God's promises over myself at that very moment that God has promised that you will keep in perfect peace. He whose mind has stayed on you. And so I just prayed that for probably an hour. Perfect peace. Perfect peace. Perfect peace. In that moment while I'm laying in the bed, God reminds me of this uh, the story of, of Peter walking on the water. And as long as his mind and focus of Peter was on Jesus, he could walk on this. He could literally walk on water with Jesus. How incredible is that? Until he takes his eyes off of him. And most of the turmoil and despair in our life is not because of the circumstances. Circumstances will always go awry. As long as this side of heaven, it's always going to be that way. It's not the circumstances. It's us taking our focus off of Jesus. Many of us need to dig deep into God's word even today and get something that we can wrap our faith around. The promises of God. Now, the Christian life would be easy if the space between the promise and claiming that promise was shortened or small. Between when we see what God had promised and we claim or receive what he had promised. Maybe we read it one day and it's fulfilled the next. Wouldn't that be great? But life's normally not like that. And I find the hardest part of holding on to hope is the waiting between the promise and the answer. And even harder when the waiting comes with uncertainties. I used to call my dad. I've been in ministry for almost 20 years, and when something was going awry in ministry, I used to be a student pastor, and then we came and planted the church. And when anything would go bad, I'd call my dad and I would just kind of just vent to him a little bit and tell him about how hard life was. And he was always gracious to listen, maybe even sometimes to sympathize. But almost every one of those phone calls, he would provide some correction. And he would say, Luke, David didn't become king overnight. David wasn't ready. And God had to allow these things to happen in David's life. Even that whole ordeal with Saul trying to kill him, David wasn't Ready In the same way, my dad was telling me, hey, you don't whine and complain about it. God is doing a work in you while you're waiting. Look at Simeon here. He's an old man. He's nearing death. We see that because he says, okay, now I can die. I've seen the Messiah. He had waited most of his adult life on the Messiah. Don't you know the older he got, the harder it was to hold on to this promise. 
but he held on tightly. 2 Corinthians 1, Paul says this, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. That amen literally means the I believe it or I testify to that truth. That's why we say with our breath and in our hearts, amen to God for all that he has done to do and what he's promised, even when we sometimes can't see it. All the promises of God, all the blessings of God in heavenly places are yes in Christ Jesus. Jesus is God's decisive yes to all of us who believe. But in my experience, the problem is not the promises of God to us. It's believing those promises when we can't see through the uncertainty in front of us. Isn't that right? When we know God has promised and we know that he's good, but a lot of times we just don't see its effects right in front of us. And this is where faith comes in. Hebrews 11 gives us an excellent definition of faith, that it's substance, that it's evidence of things hoped for. Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it regardless of how we feel because God promises a good result. And maybe you're new to the Christian faith, but there's no such thing as the Christian, as, as, as the Christian people without faith. We are a people of faith. Faith is active confidence in the God who has revealed himself. Not vague uncertainty about an unknown someone. God has proven himself real again and again. If you've not yet experienced this reality, you certainly can. And our faith comes alive as we believe the word of God and we act upon it. Faith is our active confidence in God that he is going to do what he said he would do. It's the thing we hold on to while we wait to see how the Lord is going to answer our request. Faith is active confidence. Faith is also evidence that God is faithful. We're not the first people to trust God. Moses wrote in Psalms 90, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the God of Moses and Ruth, David, Mary, John, Timothy, Paul, on and on. People have been trusting God for literally thousands of years. It's not a foolish thing to do. The faithfulness of God, not only in generations past, but also in your own life, provides you with evidence that God comes through. Maybe you'd think for a second, remember a specific time or place or way that God has come through for you, that he has shown himself faithful. That's what Hebrews is talking about and when it says evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is not believing in a vacuum. It's belief based on Scripture. We're not sure how God made this promise to Simeon. Maybe it was the incarnate, reincarnate Christ. or Maybe it was a vision or dream the way he talked to Joseph. And God can and still does talk that way sometimes. We used to have a guy that went to this church that thought um, they've since moved, moved cities. But uh, he thought that every dream he had, maybe it was God talking to him. And so he would call me for breakfast. This happened probably once a week, and he would lay out this really long dream. Hey, I had a dream last night, and there was this red panther, and he had 11 babies. And I was like, bruh, 
That might be God, but I don't know what it means at all. That was my, that's my answer. Dude, could it be that you just had Taco Bell last night, man, and it just kind of led, led this direction? Now, God can certainly do this. We hear reports of some of our missionaries over in Asia right now of them going into villages and hearing these reports of all these visions and dreams about Jesus that God had somehow. So they get there, and they've got all these questions before the missionaries ever open their mouth about the gospel. God can do that. Absolutely, he can. However, I think visions are not as frequent today because we have God's written word. Hey, newsflash, did you know that God wrote a book? And it's trustworthy and proven and inspired. And our faith as believers this morning is not in the stock market or news feed or another person's advice, no matter matter how well or well-timed or well-meaning. Everything and everyone else fails or fades, but 1 Peter 1 tells us that the word of the Lord remains forever. Ordinary people, extraordinary faith. We see this faith in Simeon that I think would do us well for us to pray that God would give us such faith. Let me end with this, that genuine faith always downloads into life. While we claim to believe all kinds of things, if they don't influence the way we live, then we don't really believe it. Many people profess the light, but they rather walk in darkness, First John tells us. How you respond to Jesus really is the focus of Advent and, Advent and the focus of the Christian life. When you have Jesus, everything changes. When he comes into your life, he brings the light with him. There's no hiding things in the dark. Everything changes. As we look at even this prayer of Simeon, we're not going into it in detail, but at the end of this chapter, his, his, uh, his prophecy to even his mom Mary was that Jesus was going to be the rising and fall of many. It was all going to center around the person of Jesus. And Jesus is doing that even today. And how you deal with Jesus. I mean, that's the focal point of Advent. Do you say, yes, Luke, I believe that. That Jesus is not only the consolation of Israel, but he's the only hope of the world, Jesus. Or maybe you might respond this morning by saying, you know what, that's just not for me. But still, Jesus is the one that is illuminating and being the defining mark. Simeon waited on God and the power of the Holy Spirit. In his own strength, he would have never made it to that phenomenal moment when he held God's answer in his hands. And neither will you. I think Advent brings us to a place of decision. And this is what I want to end with is you asking yourself the question, do I really believe? And if so, then push all your chips to the center of the table and worship him fully. Do you really believe that Jesus is the Savior King and the provision for your life's deepest need? I love that song that Weston and the group sang earlier, that my heart will sing no other name but Jesus. What an incredible anthem for us to reorient our life around. I'm going to pray for you. Pray for us, and the band's going to come up.
sing a little bit, and then we're going to have an interview later. But in this stillness of this moment, I'm just going to ask you to be quiet where you are and ask God to speak very clearly to your heart. What step of obedience is he asking you to take today? And run to him. Father, you are great and worthy to be praised. And we are overwhelmed with the narrative of your salvation story that, that, we, that we have received, that we see that we were lost and hopeless in our own sin. And you didn't leave us that way, but sent Jesus to be our salvation. Lord, you know our hearts today. Some in here just playing games. Some of just being religious. Some sincerely following you and needing to have their faith even more emboldened this morning to continue to pursue you. But Father, I pray you continue to speak to us. That we would be a people of great faith. And not, it's not the amount of faith that we would have, but the focus of our faith, your son Jesus. Remind us the season of what it means to be all in for you. Lord, we pray for hundreds, if not thousands, around us in our everyday life that don't know you, that maybe through our lives this season, it would be a megaphone that there's a God that loves them and has provided a way for salvation. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Our communion... Uh, set up on either side, and you don't have to be a member here to participate, but Scripture says you do have to be part of God's family. So uh, if you are part of God's family and are walking in obedience to Him, I encourage you when you're ready to come and we just take the bread and dip it into the cup and then take it. But I encourage you to take a few moments to pray through kind of where you're at and what God's saying to you. You'd come when you're ready and then join us in singing. Thank you.